Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. The Hammer and Nigel Show. So Hammer, the select sub, they call it the select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, uh, heard testimony earlier today, and (laughs) there was some irony there at the beginning, because this specific session of the weaponization was government censorship, government colluding with big tech to suppress uh, various stories heading up to the 2020 election, including Hunter Biden's laptop. And to cancel certain people's views from being put out there. And one of those people was Robert Kennedy Jr. Yeah. And we'll get to that here in just a moment. But this this is where we're at right now with our government. This is exactly where we're at. The censorship committee meeting today began with Debbie Wasserman Schultz <laughs> wanting to censor somebody's point of view, and that someone was Robert Kennedy Jr. Point of order, pursuant to House Rule 11, Clause 2, which Mr. Kennedy is violative of, I move that we remove into executive session because Mr. Kennedy has repeatedly made despicable anti-Semitic and anti-Asian comments as recently as last week. Questions Mr. Chairman, I ask for a roll call vote on the, on the motion to table. So the irony of having a hearing <laughs> about censorship start off with somebody wanting to censor somebody did not go unnoticed by a number of different members of this committee, including Thomas Massey of Kentucky. Wow. The irony and cognitive dissonance from the other side of the aisle. It's deafening. You could cut it with a knife. They are at the same time denying that censorship is occurring but suggesting that there's more material that needs to be censored. (laughs) This is a hearing on censorship that began with an effort, with a formal motion from the other side of the aisle to censor Mr. Kennedy. They do not want him to speak, yet that is the topic of this hearing. They have kept him from speaking. A collusion between the government and private organizations. And it's pretty rich, too, that Wasserman Schultz is accusing RFK of making some sort of weird statement about vaccines that considers anti-Semitic. It was some sort of wonky thing that he said when Congresswoman Jayapal, Pramela Jayapal, told a group of protesters that Israel are a bunch of racists, which <laughs> right. isn't in itself an anti-Semitic thing to say. I mean, she's a known anti-Semite. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. The meeting about censorship, the Democrats, no, 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 there's no online censorship. They begin the meeting with trying to censor (laughs) RFK Jr. Now, we've got a couple different uh, clips here. RFK Jr. was fired up. Now, as always, when we play audio of RFK Jr., you got to just understand his voice is what it is, right? He can't help it. It is what it is. But the message of what he's saying, if you can focus on that, is pretty strong. If the views that you and others have applied to me, I've attributed to me, if they were actually true, 
I can see why I shouldn't be able to testify here today. Those are not true. These are defamations and mal malignancies that are used to censor me, to prevent people from listening to the actual things that I'm saying. And I think, ranking member, that we should have a real conversation rather than an exchange of ad hominem attacks. So that was just the beginning. This was like a five-minute rebuttal to a lot of the nonsense that was being thrown at RFK Jr. Now, don't get it twisted. I am not somebody that is just in love with RFK Jr. Yeah. Some of the things yeah. he says, all right. Some of the things, absolutely not. At the end of the day, he's still a Kennedy Democrat. And he has a right to say them. Bingo. That's all this was about today. Now, this is a little bit longer of a clip, but I want you to stay with me on this. Here he is talking about uh, censorship coming from some of his friends in big tech. The term malinformation was coined to describe information that Facebook and Twitter and the other social media sites understood was true, but that the White House and other federal agencies wanted censored anyway for political reasons because it challenged official orthodoxies. I'll give you one example. I was included in a group called the Disinformation Dozen. Mm -hmm. And and Facebook and others were asked to censor us, which they did. And by the way, my whole Instagram account with 900,000 people was taken down. Facebook knew that the disinformation doesn't claim it. And what they said, the disinformation doesn't came from this very shady group called the Center for Preventing Digital Hate in England that is funded by dark money that should be looked into. They claim that 65% of the vaccine misinformation on the internet was generated by those 12 people. Facebook itself said that is impossible. That is false information. We know that not to be true. And yet, when the White House asked them to censor this disinformation doesn't, including me, they did it anyway when they knew it to be untrue. And the more I listen to wow. stories like this, and there are other people that have stories similar to this, Nige, I wonder if Elon Musk never purchased Twitter, how bad would it be right now? Like, would our Twitter account have been taken down? Would folks from WIBC's Twitter account have been taken down because one political side doesn't like our opinion? Would we still have our blue check mark? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I've been thinking about that. Like, I want to support Elon Musk because I appreciate what he's done, but at the same time, Man, I just don't want to pay for the check mark. I don't need the check mark, especially when anybody can. It doesn't mean anything anymore. If Joe Schmo that has six followers can buy a blue check mark, then no thanks. But with that, you also get a little bit more reach, and I feel like a lot of the stuff that okay. we put out has the reach uh, limited. So that's one of the reasons why I'm a little on the fence about it. Still trying to figure it out. Uh, one more clip here from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Here he is talking about how YouTube canceled him, basically, and then his friends, his colleagues, his fellow Democrats basically gave him a middle finger. YouTube deplatformed me. I didn't talk about vaccines in that speech. I didn't talk about anything that be, could be was a verboten subject. I just was talking about my campaign and things, the conversation that we ought to be having with each other as Americans. But I was shut down, and that is why the First Amendment's important. 
debate, congenial, respectful debate, is the, is the fertilizer, it's the water, it's the sunlight for our democracy. We need to be talking to each other. Now, there, this is a letter that many of you signed, many of my fellow Democrats. I've spent my life in this party. I've devoted my life to the values of this party. There's 102 people signed this. This itself is evidence of the problem that this hearing was convened to address. 102 of his fellow Democrats signed this letter condemning the views from RFK Jr. Now, the other person speaking at this event today was uh, our pal Emma Jo Morris. Yeah, she's a Breitbart, uh, the political editor there. We're trying to get her on, I believe, next Friday. But yeah, she testified today. She, of course, is the one that was reporting when she worked for the New York Post and reported on Hunter Biden's laptop from hell. She broke the story. And then next thing you know, all hell broke loose where the New York Post... They were locked out of their social media accounts. All of the links were taken down from social media. Here is friend of the show, Emma Jo Morris. However, the stories were not based on hacked materials, nor were they Russian disinformation. And despite those claims appearing to come out of thin air at the time, we would eventually learn that they actually didn't come out of thin air at all. On October 19th, five days after the Post began publishing, Politico ran a story headlined, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former Intel officials say. God, I can't even say that with a straight face, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Politico printed a letter completely uncritically from veteran members of the U.S. intelligence community falsely claiming that the Post expose has, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. My God. (laughs) (laughs) Most notable among the signatories of that letter were Jim Clapper from former DNI, Michael Hayden, former CIA, John Brennan, former CIA. Yeah, all these CIA guys signed some letter that said the laptop was hacked and it was Russian disinformation when they knew all along it was all true and nothing of the sort about being Russian disinformation was even remotely the truth. They knew it before. And this is what I'm saying here. This is what this is collusion with government agencies, FBI, CIA, uh, going to, uh, you know, Google, going to Facebook, going to Twitter, colluding with them to suppress stories that that could have had an outcome uh, that could have changed the outcome of the 2020 election. And the folks at the top of the food chain, whether it be the Biden administration, the CIA, the FBI, the Department of Justice, they felt confident. They felt bulletproof. They could go to these companies and say, hey, why don't you go ahead and do this and don't worry about it. Nobody's going to get us in trouble anyway. Now, fast forward to this year, three years later. Just last spring, House investigators revealed it was a call by now Secretary of State Antony Blinken to former acting CIA Director Michael Morell that prompted the spy letter published by Politico, which bypassed agency approval processes that would have been normally applied. It is also now known that ahead of my reporting, federal agencies were priming social media companies to execute an operation to discredit it. According to internal documents released by Elon Musk upon his acquisition of Twitter, the FBI and other intelligence community members essentially directed 
directed the platform's censorship operation, in part externally by working with top management and in part internally by social media companies hiring eye-popping numbers of agency alumni. Journalist Michael Schallenberger reported, based on documents he obtained from Musk, that during all of 2020, the FBI and other law enforcement agencies repeatedly primed Twitter executives to dismiss reports of Hunter Biden's laptop as a Russian hack and leak operation. Feds arranged for top secret security clearances to be granted to Twitter management and even had encrypted messaging networks set up, which they dubbed a virtual war room. To this day, hundreds of people from the intelligence community work at social media companies. I mean, like if you said that to somebody a couple years ago, you have a tinfoil hat on, but now it's all there and there are receipts. Emma Joe doesn't come to a conversation without receipts. She's got all the information. She killed it today for sure. We'll talk to her in a week about her testimony. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.